Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. Good morning, Sojourn. So glad to be with you again today. It's a beautiful day in Portland, and it's a fresh new year. And what I understand is that every new year, as a family, you guys discuss your values. Why do you exist? Why do you come together? And so I'm excited today to kind of give you an overview of that. And then our friend Matt Boyd, your pastor, will come back and share kind of individually what each one really means for um, every one of you going forward. Uh, I'm Gerald Skeeth. Uh, I've been with you just a few times in the last probably six months. Um, I think it's just a great time to look at this, right? Fresh start, new year, there's all sorts of uh, uncertainty around Omicron and, and COVID, but we see a time where, where maybe these things can lighten up a little bit, and we can start seeing, actually, yesterday we even saw a group of our neighbors clustering outside the house together because it was sunshine, and so um, here in the Northwest, to see neighbors out on the street is a good thing because most of the time we huddle down for, for six months through fall and winter, so... Um, yeah, it's just so good to be with you and feel the energy of the sunshine and whatnot. So, I am going to Africa in March. So you guys are going to be my guinea pigs. I've been training to teach new believers about Christ. So, fresh new believers. So, the next few minutes, we're going to put on our hats like we don't have any concept or really early or new concept of who Christ is. And we're actually going to interact around this um, in a dialogical, dialogical way. So I'm going to put up a photo, and then we're going to talk through it. And then we'll, cut, we'll do this for like the first half, and then we'll go into the scriptures. But there's a great scripture that is in the Old, in the Old Testament with Jeremiah. And God comes to Jeremiah and says, what do you see? What do you see? And Jeremiah says, I see... An almond branch. And he goes on to share the meaning, and, and God says to Jeremiah, you have seen well. So what we're going to do is look at this picture and just see what we see and affirm what's going on. And the first picture here, it's kind of fuzzy, but we have a man reaching down for another man. Now, I don't know about any of you, but I learned to swim in the, the most cold, uncomfortable way. So we, I was raised up in Seattle. It rains all the time in the Northwest. There was an outdoor pool, and this pool was on a hillside right down from Redondo Beach. So there's a beach up there. The wind would come right up. And I remember, like, I'm not, not a very big guy. I was really thin and slight when I was little. And I remember my mom holding me over the pool while I was screaming and screaming and screaming. And I'd say, no, don't drop me in. Don't drop me in. Curse flash. And of course, the little lifeguard or the, the trainer was right there. But I'd be so terrified because it's so cold. And I'd be shaking and shaking and shaking. So what do you see in this picture? What comes to your mind? Anybody can answer. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. I see Jesus Peter. Yeah, yeah. So we see Jesus. Great job. Yeah, we're seeing Jesus reach down for Peter. Now, if we didn't know this was Jesus and Peter, what would be what would be this guy's feeling? How would he feel? 
What's going on in his mind? Have any of you been in the water where you don't feel like you can swim? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? So the first time, I don't know, how many of you ever gone kayaking? Yeah, yeah. So I went kayaking down a river. First time. Never done this before. And my buddy's like, I got you. I flipped over long enough to pray, God, I don't want to die like this, as I'm tapping the kayak, waiting for my buddy to pull me up. What do you, what do you think? If this, We know this is Peter, right? But if it's not Peter, what do you think is like going on through his mind? If you're in, in a pool flailing, what's going on? Right? I'm going to die. I'm done. Like, this is over. This, and we, right? This was a stormy night. This was a crazy, this was like potentially winter waves on the ocean, right? What else do you think is going through his mind? Someone save me. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful, right? And here we have a man reaching down, Jesus reaching down, saving, pulling up, pulling up. Sojourn's values, how many of you know the value statement? I don't, right offhand, so I did write it down. But it says, Sojourn is a family of ordinary people changed by the love of Jesus in the context of family that lived out this mission to our community, city, and world. How do you think he felt when Jesus reached down and touched him? Grabbed his arm. Right? Relieved. Moved from total fear, total death, total chaos, to instant relief. This is the gospel, friends. This is the gospel, right? And he goes on the second picture there. Yeah, what do we see here? We all are familiar with this. Yeah, go ahead, friend. Jesus dying on the cross. Right, it's Jesus dying on the cross. And what happened on the cross? Did Jesus just die? Yeah, he resurrected. He went up to heaven. He took our sins. Yeah, good job. You guys all know this story really well. There's a, uh, a quote in John Piper's book that I really enjoy. It says, but not only are our sins counted as his. So Jesus not only took our sins, but his righteousness is counted as ours. This is called the great exchange. J.I. Packer calls this, the judge declares guilty sinners immune from punishment and righteousness in his sight, and righteous in his sight. The great exchange is no legal fiction, no arbitrary pretense, no mere word game on God's part, but a costly achievement. The biblical statement of this comes from 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made to him to be sin." Who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thus, justification has two sides. What happened on the cross has two sides. The removal of sin because Christ bears our curse, and the imputation of righteousness 
because we are in Christ, and his righteousness is counted as ours. That's good news, isn't it? That's great news. That is the gospel. Why is it important to us? Why is that understanding important to us? I asked my kids this the other day, and I said, when's the last time that you got blamed for something your brother and sister did? And they're like, all the time, Dad. Like, you always pick me. I'm the one. I'm always in trouble. Have we ever felt this way? Yeah. Right? 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 Most of the time, like, I don't know about you, but I was always the one with the, like, the sheepish grin. I have four brothers. So, but I was always the one like, my mom would be like, you. I'd be like, no, it's not me. It's not me. But Christ took all of that upon himself for us. All that blame, all that sin, all that shame. This is important as we look at, this is the essential piece of the identity for sojourn and for all gospel believers in my belief that the gospel is essential. Like this is a fundamental understanding. Your next value is family. And we can turn to the next slide too. What, what is this picture of? Yeah, go ahead. He's preaching to yeah, you see Jesus in the center. We see a lot of people around him. What else is going on? People are talking? Yeah, people are talking. They're relating. Yeah. It's kind of hard to see, but a few of them are smiling. What else is going on? Different ages? Yeah, different ages. Different races? Different races, absolutely. Different, different faces? Yeah, different faces. Genders, all sorts of things, right? Different clothes. Yeah, different clothes, for sure. How many of you haven't seen a family member in a while? Has COVID kept you away? Or, you know, some, some of us have visited family from afar recently. What did we feel? Sad. Sad. We missed them, right? Mm -hmm. We wanted con to connect with them. We wanted to hang out with them. I think I have a brother back in, in the Midwest I haven't seen in six years maybe or longer. And it has. It's, it's, there is like this draw that you, we want to connect, right? Why would you want to be a part of a family? Okay, so here's the example. Even for your brothers and sisters or non-husband and wives, or future husband and wives, if you had a choice to live in Hawaii by yourself forever, by yourself, Hawaii, hot summer sun, all the food you could eat, every provision, in Hawaii by yourself, would you choose that, or would you choose living with your favorite person, brother, sister, husband, and wife, in the desert, in wherever, Dubai or something. Mm -hmm. Where would you be? With our family. Right? You would want to be, great answer, you'd want to be with somebody, right? I don't know about you guys, I'm an extrovert, I love people, I, I tried, <laughs> we even tried to live 
with our family in a, in a secluded retreat area for a year to kind of like uh, heal and, and restore our family, and I was going nuts. I was like, you can't put me out in the woods by myself, even for a little bit, without going nuts. Why else do we need family? The next picture is a good one on this one, too. One of my kids, that was the first response. So what does this picture show you? Carry the load. Yeah, carry the load. I was in Uganda a few years back, and the analogy was like a 40-pound a bag of rice. And I was like, ooh, I don't know if I can carry that by myself, right? How many of you can carry a 40-pound bag of rice by yourself? I can eat all. Right? You can eat. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> a hungry teenager can definitely eat it all. I've done it, but it's not easy. Right? You've done it, but it's not easy, right? It's nicer to have two people or three people or multiple people help you out. So we need family to carry each other's burdens, right? What sort of added values do the family offer you? Carry each other's burdens. What other things? They know me. They know you. Yeah. Encouragement. Yeah, encourage. Love. Love. Except, I don't know about you, but I make a lot of mistakes. Great faith. They, you, you have faith that when you go home to your family, what's the first thing after school you probably get? Snack. A snack? Because you're hungry, right? A, you get maybe a hug? I get to play. Get to play? And do my schoolwork. Right? These are all wonderful things that we need. We need that connection. I love, I have such great memories. I think of the same thing, right? Teenager. Hard day at school. What's the first thing I come home to? A snack. That kind of care is, is added value. It's added to our lives. Then we have mission. What is the mission that we are on? Sharing the gospel. Yeah. How does it affect our life every day? Knowing that Jesus reached down, grabbed us out of whatever that is, right? How does that affect us? There's a great quote out of uh, Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalms 133.1 In the following, we shall consider a number of directions and precepts that the scriptures provide for us for our life together in the word. It is not simply to be taken for granted that Christians have the privilege of living among other Christians. Jesus Christ lived in the midst of his, of his enemies, and at the end of all his disciples deserted him. On the cross, he was utterly alone, surrounded by evildoers and mockers. For this cause he had come, to bring peace to the enemies of God. So the Christian, too, for us, 
belongs not in the seclusion of a cloistered life, but in the thick of foes. There is his commission, his work. And Luther sums it up like this. The kingdom is to be in the midst of our enemies, and he who will not suffer this does not want to be of the kingdom of Christ. He wants to be among his friends, to sit among the roses and the, and the lilies, not with the bad people, but with the devout people. Oh, you blasphemers and betrayers of Christ, if Christ had done what, we, what you are doing, who would have ever been spared? Let's pray this morning. Father God, we just are delighted to share in these values as we understand the gospel more and more, as you reveal yourself to us every day through your word, through your creation, through each other. We thank you for the family. I just thank you of uh, those in this room today that have become precious to us, that have become dear friends, that we have shared life with. We are grateful. Father, together, as we even look around um, the city this morning, as we drove here, as we uh, prayed through the neighborhoods of, of those around this building, God, we ask that you would reveal your mission on how to connect you with them. We thank you so much in your name. Amen. I'm not quite done. So let's turn to John 3, 11 through 24. 1 John 3, 11 through 24. Sorry, Ben. I thought that was going to be fast. We're praying already? Yep. 1 John 3, 11 through 24. So it's really hard... To sum up all these values, I love how, how even on your website, Sojourn's website, there's, there's different verses and passages to reinforce each one of these. But as I prayed for today, I'm like, okay, how can I give an overarching perspective to these three values? And to me, it starts with posture. Like, sure, yeah, we need acknowledgement, right? We need to acknowledge where we stand in light of Christ and where we stand in light of Jesus. But to me, it's a posture of the attitude. And so that's really what we're going to touch on today in this 1 John 3, 11 through 24. I was going to cut it down, but I'm going to read it all. So feel free to follow, follow along in your Bibles. But love one another. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, 
that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's good goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. But this, by this, we shall know that we are of, of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if you, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commands us, commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. So I think that we can divide this out. Obviously, there's a lot in this section that we can kind of extract from. But I'm going to divide it out into two portions. And I, I, I'm on a new kick myself of taking the time to define the terms. What does the church mean? What does discipleship mean? What is like this whole idea of deconstructing? So we're going to take the time to define the terms this morning. And then we're going to go to the three main points. So we can tell from this passage what love is not, right? Right off the bat. How many of us know the story of Cain and Abel? Right? Most of us know the story of Cain and Abel. Genesis 4, right? What happened? Two brothers who... I'm sorry, go ahead. Right, yeah. There was friction. There was a brotherly conflict. One was pleasing God and one was not, yet one was jealous of the other brother pleasing God. And what ultimately happened? He took his life, right? One brother took his life. It says, do not be like Cain. Do not have this type of jealousy. Do not have this type of warring in your heart. His own deeds were evil, right? Who did Cain ultimately want to worship? Yeah, himself, right? He felt that himself was greater than his brother. How many of you struggle with that today? I do, right? In different circumstances. I work in a building with 22 some odd other ministries, all doing great things. And oftentimes I look to the left and look to the right and I'm like, they're doing way better. Right? Or my brother Ben, who's playing the guitar. I've tried to pick up the guitar for a year and a half or whatever, and my boys still plug their ears. I'm like, ah! But I long to play like Ben, right? But we can have that kind of friction in our hearts without even knowing. And that is not love. The other is when the world hates you. Do not be surprised. Hate equals what? Murder. Even if we hate our brother, it's murder, he says. 
and love equals eternal life. Who is eternal life? I ask my kids this all the time. Who is? It's not what is, right? Who is? It's Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. So we know that, that to not love is to be like Cain and Abel with jealousy. And oftentimes, the, the, the neighbors, the people around us, will see how we love them by our good deeds, what we're doing. I love Jesus' posture with this. Um, there's going to be three, three main points. And I'll just give them to you up front. Um, but verse 16, Jesus laid down his life. Verse 18, deed and truth. And verse 23, believe and love. Verse 16 says... So this is so we define what love is, and now we're going to define what love is through the next few points. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What does it mean to lay our life down? And I really wrestle with this more and more. I think as... as the world around us changes. There seems to be a little bit more conflict um, externally. There seems to be, I don't know about you guys, but I was on the phone uh, with our brothers and sisters around the globe last week and uh, really brought me to tears how much persecution is going on to the saints around the world. There is a lot of Christians, a lot of our brothers and sisters right now experiencing conflict to a high level and degree even more than, than just a difference of opinion um, that we may have with our neighbors or may have with our coworkers, but it's, it's beyond that. And I was reading through Romans, and the passage that still strikes me, it's Paul, right? It's Paul pleading, pleading with the Jews, and he's saying in verse uh, Romans 9, verses 1 to 3, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to my flesh. Do we really know what Paul's saying here? He's saying I give up my place in heaven. And in essence, that's what Jesus did on the cross, right? For a fraction, for a split second, for a, a moment in time, that pause, when God the Father turned his back on Jesus, he took it all upon himself. He laid down his life, the ultimate sacrifice. But I think that there's ways, as you guys look at it, what it means to live out your values as sojourn, what it is to really lay down your life for one another. I once heard, and, and this is ranked true in our own uh, experiences, is that oftentimes the most missional opportunities will come at the most inconvenient of times. And it's so true. Like, over and over and over, I, I tend to be kind of 
go get her and someone will need you know a tire changed or or food or um, going through a crisis and and want to talk through it and oftentimes I'm distracted and, and I really have to slow myself down and say okay God what's important here what really matters and I think that Paul was saying in this time what really matters is our friends who have yet to connect themselves with and it's so powerful that he's saying, I'm willing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes so that my neighbors, my coworkers, my friends, the coffee shop barista, whatever, um, realize and have an encounter with Christ. Laying down his life as the example for us. Just recently, Friday night, we were found as a family in this crisis. Um, I was way overwhelmed with work, and uh, I had lost track of time, and my son needed to go to a soccer game. And yet the food was on the stove, and things were, were at home getting taken care of, but my wife was the only one that could take him. And she said, I'm going to drop everything and take our son to soccer. And it was a small thing, but it ministered a lot because the amount of time that I, he would have been, a, he would have missed half the game. I couldn't cram what I needed to cram into that amount of time. There was just no way. And so it was, it was that single act of selflessness that made it so tangible in the everyday. Sure, like Jesus went to the cross for us. But there I think that there are some things that are tangible and simplistic every day that communicate this type of laying down life. Being willing to be inconvenienced. Being willing to be slowed down. The next point here is deed and truth. Verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. I did wonder, I, I wish I had more time to kind of expose this, but it is fun to me that he said little children. That's how he was addressing, that's how Paul or John was addressing. I wonder why. Was, was it uh, that the kids couldn't, uh, couldn't eat their meat, that they were still on milk? I don't know, right? The, 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 the great analogy, I don't know. But I do love how James too flushes this out. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. But even the demons believe that and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God obviously we're not saved by our works we're not saved by performance we're saved by grace right Ephesians however 
The truth is often revealed by how we respond. There's some distance in, in, so we live in a block of eight houses. There's some distance in a couple of the neighbors. There's some friction. And we feel it. One of the, the neighbors' flat, our cars had a flat tire the other day. And I noticed it. And honestly, my initial was, what do we do? And I didn't know if I was going to address it or not. But then the neighbor was out and about, and I said, I'll address it. And I asked, you know, what, is there anything we can do to help, or is there anything we can come alongside? Even though there's friction, there's truth in the response, right? I am willing to go out of my way for you. I am willing to care enough about you, even if there's distance in the relationship. And I think that's what we're seeing. Like, with Abraham's example here, I, I know I love my each one of my kids. If God asked me to say, yeah, go sacrifice one of my kids, I would probably have a little question mark, a little pause. But he was obedient. And we know how it played out, right? All the way to the end. He laid his son on the altar, was getting ready to take his life, and God said, whoa. But the act of humility that it took to make the long journey, to climb the hill, was counted as faith and truth. And we are called to believe and love him. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another. Now, I love Mark 19 when it comes to this. This is one of my favorite passages when it comes to belief, right? And I'm going to try to sum it up because it's, it's a good 15 verses, but I do recommend you reading it. But the, the disciples were coming, and there was a great crowd, and they were arguing and all, a lot of chaos. And Jesus came in and said, what are you arguing about? What's going on here? And... Um, one of the guys comes to him and says, hey, my kid is sick. He's been convulsing. He's been uh, being thrown into the fire. He's being completely persecuted. Uh, would you heal him? He says, if you can heal him. And Jesus responds, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. And this is such a powerful story for me. As I tend to look in the future all the time. And the understanding that this man had of his need even for Christ to reach down and say, help me believe. Help me believe for tomorrow. Help me believe for those things that are yet unseen. If 
The other thing that sticks out to me is Jesus' compassion. Compassion. How many times? There's lots of times in the New Testament that Jesus said, I had compassion. So he has compassion on those that want to believe. It's a sense of deep love and care. It's a sense of connection. Last week we celebrated, well actually January 8th, there was the 66-year celebration, if you will, or, or remembrance, if you will, of uh, five missionaries. I'm sorry, four missionaries. One, two, three. Nope, there is five. Five. Five missionaries, yeah. Yeah. And this is just a little segment of them. They landed on a beach. They set up a little... Uh, um, settlement, if you will, along the beach line on January 3rd. And these guys had been trying to connect with this tribe of people to bring the gospel to them. And they, they counted it a victory that they could even land their plane on this little sandbar and set up this makeshift settlement. And five days later, they were attacked and speared by all the warriors of that tribe. And one of the quotes um, um, that he that says is um, I must have not wrote it down, but uh, it's along the lines of um, what is a man to gain that which he doesn't already have type thing. And Jim Elliott and, and Nate Saint and some of the others. It took years after that, but their wives were faithful, and their sons and grandsons are faithful, and that tribe has come to Christ. And this is the compassion I feel like we ought to have. John 15, 13 says, Greater love is no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friend. What does it mean for you to lay down your life today? What does it mean for you to be part of a family that lays down their life together today? What does it mean for you to be on mission together, laying down your lives together? Father, we thank you so much for the examples of those past and present. We thank you for your past grace, your present grace. And as you reached down and pulled Peter out, and as there was probably a huge sigh of relief somewhere in there, we asked that that would be what people experience around us when they encounter us. That they sense your presence. They sense that you are, are 
active and alive. I do pray for Sojourn. I thank you for who they are and their desire to love you and love others. I pray as these table gets, table groups, uh, table communities uh, activate again, God, that you would bring opportunity for life-on-life relationships, for deep connection, for that image of carrying each other's burdens, that the O's around would feel that, that we're ready and prepped and excited to share in that process with them. Father, we pray for those that are seconds away from your kingdom. Those that, that may even seem so far away but are closer than we think. We pray for that right question. We pray for that right situation. Father, we just thank you for the time today and we give all these things because we know that everything is in, through, and for you. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.